Bugs, critters, creepy crawlies, vermin, and varmints add to the body count in some of the wildest disaster movies. Did you say velaments? <laughs> no, I said varmints. Oh, okay, Yosemite Sam. Well, velaments were the first sugar-free mints, you know. I don't care. I said varmints. <laughs> well, whatever you say, Granny Clampett. Oh my gosh. That's Daisy Mae Moses to you. Thank you very much. That's chitlins, possum belly, hog jowl, and cabbage. All minced together and simmered in gopher grape. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, in the spirit of spooky season, we're looking at some movies where a few big Hollywood names unexpectedly squared off against horrific insects, rodents, and pests. Ooh, this episode might need a heebie-jeebies warning. Mm, is that better or worse than an oogie-boogie warning? Well, it depends. Are you afraid of bees or bats? Mm, as much as Joan Collins hates radioactive ants. How's that for unexpected? Or do you want more? Actually, now I want some velaments. The official mint of Air Force One. <laughs> <laughs> Let's begin. Welcome to this episode of the Pop Trash Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Eric Griggs. And I'm Mike Jones. Each episode, we take a pop topic and trash talk it, but with love, of course. And you know, according to John, Paul, Ringo, and George, all you need is love. Interestingly enough, we'll be talking about a bunch of critters and creepy crawly things today, but no beetles. Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> That's actually clever. That's an elevated Laffy Taffy joke. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mike, if you were in a horror movie and you had to choose to battle some kind of critter, what would you pick? Hmm. Uh, I would choose to pick, I'll say corgis. <laughs> that's a that's a bold choice <laughs> what is it about corgis that terrifies you <laughs> is it queen elizabeth had an army of them? <laughs> yeah, you nailed it taking over the english countryside trying to wear my princess diana outfit there is a horror movie in the making and here i was gonna go with spiders <laughs> no funny enough i actually like spiders i generally try to oh, save them, them because i think they, they they take care of the other insects in your home exactly i know they serve a greater purpose but i mean the one movie we should be talking about which we aren't which i loved was arachnophobia, arachnophobia. <laughs> i remember watching that in the theaters and being scared out of my mind because i hate spiders i'm afraid of them <laughs> so if you're asking me who would i be locked in battle with it'd be spiders because i'd have to have that redemptive arc that i was so afraid of it but i got over it and i conquered the spiders but wasn't one of your heroes growing up spider-man well yeah but he's more man than spider <laughs> <laughs> This season, we're calling Expect the Unexpected. And today, well, you never quite expect attacks from ants, bees, and bats. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Nor will you expect the actors who took part in these three light horror movies, like diet right of horror movies. <laughs> We've got 1977's Empire of the Ants, 1978's The Swarm, and sadly, nothing from 1979, but 1999 the nicely titled Bats. Ooh. Let's start with 1977's Empire of the Ants. 
Uh, Eric, I think you can probably tell us, what is the Empire of the Ants? We've got a pre-dynasty Joan Collins. Ooh, is she our unexpected star? Oh, definitely. She's a con artist selling worthless beachfront property to couples and investors who will be scammed out of their savings. Yes, although my favorite part of this is that she's selling property along the Florida Everglades. (laughs) (laughs) Some beachfront property there. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and if that isn't bad enough... Little does she know that radioactive waste barrels that were dumped into the ocean have washed ashore and have mutated the ants rather quickly, I might add, into giant killing machines. <laughs> so the premise is there for me. I'm ready. I I think that if it were I would make some improvements, but I mean. <laughs> you could see where you'd make some improvements in Empire of the Ants. <laughs> <laughs> just, just a few tweets. I have a few notes. <laughs> First, I'd get rid of the ants. <laughs> I'm going to replace them with corgis. <laughs> it's Joan Collins leading about two dozen I don't know, people who accidentally answered the phone call when someone wants them to like respond to a timeshare. <laughs> oh yeah. I loved the beginning where all the people getting on the boat to go out to the property. It was like a parade of seventies colored polyester leisure suits. Sadly, I think ants are attracted to bright polyester. So <laughs> <laughs> they must be because they had a buffet of these people. <laughs> This movie took a bit to get going. They do an interesting job of setting the story up, but it almost takes too long. Okay, when is this thing going to get going? Are there ever going to be any ants that actually kill people? And then finally, once it gets going, it really gets going. There's a guy, I don't know if it's his girlfriend or her, I think it's his wife. He just like throws her to the ants so that he can escape from them, which might be like the most horrific thing a husband could do. Yeah. Do you know who the actor was? I don't know who the actor was. Who is it? So that was Robert Pine, the Sarge from Chips. And I learned a new thing about Robert Pine I didn't even know. Talk about unexpected. Robert Pine is Chris Pine's dad. Oh my goodness. I never made the connection, but I was watching it and it's he's much younger. And I was like, boy, he really looks like Chris Pine. And I looked it up and I'm like, oh, yep, dad. I think he's also part of the family that invented those car fresheners. Yes, he did. He did, yes. <laughs> Their commercials say, you'll pine for a Pine's Pine every Christmas. Oh my gosh. Save that joke. It's pretty evergreen. Oh. <laughs> Where does this movie go after the ants start killing people? Exactly. I mean, there's like a race out of the swamp and they make it through the Everglades to a hotel. And then there's like the mysterious town people know something that everybody else doesn't, but you don't know what it is. Ooh, what is it? And and they keep talking about the sugar factory <laughs> in the town. As soon as he said that, I was like, oh no, not the sugar factory. <laughs> you could almost divide the movie into like the first half that was expected. And then again, Following our theme of the season this year, I did not expect the second half of this movie. (laughs) It had the weirdest ending. They were using their pheromones to give (laughs) the instructions as if like the humans were like a colony. And the the police were like, just soak it in. You got to do what she says. And they would put them in a little chamber and they would spray their little ant juice on them. And then they would take over their minds. So that was weird. Basically, I mean... The ants control the humans, right? I I really thought 
when it was like, oh, no, the sugar factory. I thought it was going to be like, oh, we're going to lure them to the sugar factory because they're going to want sugar. Yes. And, and then that's like how blow they're going to defeat right? them. Yeah. Right. Which they end up, they do. They blow it up, which now the sugar factory sells delicious ant brittle, by the way. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but it just, it just kind of ended. They kind of escaped. A few of them escaped in a boat. We got them, we think, and that is it. We're not going to really talk about this mysterious town that has been controlled by the ants that somehow sprung up overnight. Yeah. The timing of it was, what is happening? I just chalk it up to (laughs) Florida is weird. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I was taken out of the plot by how cheeseball it started to look. The, The effects on this were like, it was either actual ants filmed with a lens so that they were really big or... Giant puppet ants, yeah. <laughs> which I he- hear that Joan Collins complained about. She was like, oh, the fur scratches the actors or whatever <laughs> you, you think. Giant puppet ants. They're not comfortable. <laughs> Joan Collins does not like that she made this movie or she does not really hold this movie into like high regard. She has an autobiography that I think came out in the 90s called Second Act. And she talks about making this movie and just how it was kind of like a low part of her career. A couple of years ago, I want to say like 2021 or 2022, in the, the Palm Coast, like Treasure Coast newspapers, they revisited like the making of this and they found some people who worked as extras. Really? And they interviewed like one of the guys who was an extra. And he goes, I got to be one of the ants who attacked Joan Collins. Oh my God. Now <laughs> I would love to do that. That is a dream job. <laughs> We're going to take some advice from Dave Matthews and march on, ants. <laughs> We're just going to skip ahead a year to 1978 and trade our ants for some killer bees. We're looking at 1978's The Swarm, starring Michael Caine and every single living, breathing actor that was alive in 1978. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> I'm happy to tell folks a little bit about what The Swarm is. There's a wave or a herd what do you even call a a group of bees a swarm a swarm (laughs) oh my gosh (laughs) god i don't know where that word was (laughs) yes you call them a swarm a swarm of killer bees take over and they wreak havoc killing a whole heck of a lot of people and the only person that can save them is a random scientist played by Michael Caine. Then the movie takes about 12 hours. Yeah. Oh, does it ever. What do you think of The Swarm? I thought it was a real B movie. <laughs> oh, that should have been your line. <laughs> I wanted to like it, but I, it was just too long. So many people love this movie and I had never seen it. So I was really excited to watch it. I just thought it was a bit of a slog. And I don't know, but it felt like the attack parts of the bees were pretty good, but they took a while in between to get to. The bees start attacking certain communities. I will say, like, I'm not used to movies, like, killing a lot of children. (laughs) This movie kills (laughs) a lot of children. These bees are, like, hungry for middle schoolers. Definitely. And that that kid who's... Whose parents just get covered with bees and killed. Okay. His parents get just mauled by these bees and completely covered in them. Like if you're triggered by crawly, creepy things, like bees covering these people's bodies is a little bit jarring. He like 
kind of decides to seek justice on his own. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to get these bees. It was at that point I turned to my husband and I said, Mrs. Columbo, no, Mrs. Griggs, do you think any of the bees were harmed in the making of this film? And at that point, the kid turned on the windshield wipers and smeared a bunch of bees across <laughs> the window. One thing that kind of created some drama in the real world with these movies, which is basically a lot of scientists thought that this movie painted bees in a bad light. And it essentially made people want to like kill bees you know, like bad propaganda for bees. Bees are just out here trying to live their lives. For sure. <laughs> so relatedly, Mrs. Griggs was very interested in watching this one with me to see the bees get their comeuppance because he has been waging a war with bees since we moved into our current apartment. Oh, <laughs> yeah, there is a hive building a colony or what have you in the walls of our apartment. Oh, geez, that's no good. Oh, it's been happening for like the last, I don't know, two years, three years since we've been here. And I swear, I, I joke and I say, I see him by the window looking out and they're kind of swarming and he's like, got to get them bees. <laughs> They've sent several people out to um, take care of them, but they're endangered, like you said. So you can't spray or kill them. The problem is, is if you don't get the queen, they just rebuild the hive. And the one exterminator or bee wrangler that came was like, oh, you see there, you got honey dripping on the side you're going to get ants now. And I'm like, how topical. We just <laughs> were talking about attacks by bees and now attacks by ants are next. So he was interested in this movie. Oh my gosh. Now we got to figure out a way to get bats into your apartment. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we should take a minute to talk about just how many people are in this movie that are actually big names. Mm -hmm. um, I'll, I'll name one, you name another, and we'll see how many we get to before we run out of famous people. Oh, all right. I like this game. I'm going to go with one of my favorites, actually, Lee Grant, a reporter who covers the turmoil the bees are causing. I'm going to go with Olivia de Havilland. Yes. She's also 100 years old in this one. But she still lived 100 more years. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, she kind of always did look the same. She's like the school teacher that you thought was going to escape but dies on a train ride later. She sure does. <laughs> um, Henry Fonda, who I think plays like an old scientist who tries to inject himself with like bee venom to save the universe. Doesn't really work out for him. No, it sure doesn't. I will go with Olivia de Havilland's character was being courted. There was like a subplot of her being courted by two suitors. And I don't remember the one guy, but the other guy, this was the last movie of the inventor of Flubber, Fred McMurray. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, Michael Caine, obviously, but I'm going to, I'm not going to count mm -hmm, him. Mm -hmm. Instead, I'm going to count, I guess, what is his sort of like love interest in this? For lack of a better way of putting it, like, Catherine Ross. Who? <laughs> Does that count? You didn't know her? I didn't know her. No, huh? she was new to me. <laughs> I mean, she's an Oscar-nominated actress. She's been around in a bunch. I think she was in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. She was in, I think, Donnie Darko, to be honest with you. Huh. Um, she's been around for quite a while. Well, I will go with Slim Pickens. Who, <laughs> beside having a great name and the guy that rides the bomb in uh, Dr. Strangelove, I thought his character, which was brief, he's the dad of like an army officer who was killed. 
early in the movie and he wants to see his son and take him and bury him. I thought he actually did a really good acting job. The pathos and how he felt, I was like, oh, there's something good in here, you know? Don't worry, our guess who game is almost <laughs> over. Is your person Patty Duke? Yep, that's who I thought you were going to pick. We didn't even say Richard Chamberlain. Oh, right. <laughs> I think that might give you a sense of who all is in this movie. <laughs> yeah, there there were quite a few. But that's not surprising because these, these disaster type movies, this was directed by Irwin Allen, the master of disaster. He produced what the towering inferno and uh, the poseidon adventure but i think am i right that this kind of flopped pretty hard and and was was kind of known as like the end of those disaster movies that were so big yeah kind of i mean this was this was seen as a huge disappointment it was really expensive to make for one and it bare it didn't bring back even like a third of what it cost to make this in the box office So next, we are going to talk about 1999's Bats. What a jump forward in time. We're leaving the 70s for the 90s. Bats is about a small town that's attacked by genetically engineered winged killing machines. They say camp is dead, but I realized it just changed its name and address and is now called Horror (laughs) Movies in the 90s. (laughs) I was expecting it to be a steaming pile of guano, but actually it was a cavern of delights for me. (laughs) What about you, Mike? I just thought you have these radioactive bats that even though this takes place in 1999, it does not look like 1999 special effects to me. They look, it's almost like Sandra Bullock's The Net here. It's like these these bats are 1981 at most. Oh, oh I, apparently all the bats in the film were a combination of animatronics, puppets, CGI, and only a total of two live bats (laughs) what were their names i don't know (laughs) bruce and wayne (laughs) here i was somewhat curious because the unexpected performance is at least for me lou diamond phillips who from la bamba to courage under fire was kind of like this 90s staple in a Mm -hmm. lot of different things and so i was kind of like oh he was in a horror movie called bats how did i never see this right and i kind of saw him in the vein of like kevin bacon and tremors right yeah unexpected for that person to be in this movie but kevin bacon was amazing tremors was amazing i thought lou diamond phillips was great in this and the movie was just a romp you know it's not serious it was just fun for me it was just super fun i honestly didn't love this movie it moves a little too slow which is funny to say that coming off the swarm i will say the thing i love most about this well maybe not most but i will give them props for a very creative movie poster because the word bats is hanging upside down Which is pretty remarkable, although it kind of makes the movie look like Stab, (laughs) since that's bad. (laughs) Yeah, the CGI was a little of its time, but I love the puppets. The puppet bats, it, it was one of those things for me that, you know, when they say like this type of a horror movie, like it's better to have the suspense and not show the thing. Because once you show the thing, you're like, oh, it's not as scary as 
what I thought it was. And especially if like the special effects can't be as good, but man, those animatronic bats, when they really started showing them, I was like more, give me more of these weird, <laughs> creepy little rubbery bats making these mechanical faces. Oh my gosh. The the faces. There's like a, one of the moments where like the bat turns its head and it's like, Oh, gee. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are other people who star in this other than Lou Diamond Phillips. I mean, did you recognize any of the other cast oh, members? Oh yeah. Um, I got to say, I don't know his name. You probably do. But the Shawshank Redemption he's warden the, guy. He's the warden. <laughs> Bob Gunton. Yeah, he was great. He's an <laughs> evil government scientist who was wonderful in the movie because he seemed a little, you know, nefarious and off kilter in the beginning. But towards the end, he was just full on like, yeah, I'm control. I'm going to control the bats and I want to kill everybody. And I did it. He just went off the rails as like the over the top campy villain oh i definitely clocked him i mean he's so good in the shawshank redemption and then here i was like oh he's doing this he's doing his villain thing again yeah. but it definitely worked and then they have a, a one of the the lead actors who plays opposite lou diamond phillips is dina meyer did you remember her i didn't but uh, mrs griggs did i forget what she was <laughs> uh either beverly hills 90210 johnny mnemonic or Starship Troopers? I'm guessing oh, one of those three. I don't think it was any of those three. It was <laughs> nope, no. I don't know, it was probably like Star Trek: The Next Generation or something. <laughs> Apparently, both of them were signed for the sequel. I wondered if it had a subtitle. Was it like Bats? Here we go again. Bats Two, Electric Boogle. <laughs> Did the only two live bats also return to reprise their roles? <laughs> <laughs> but wait, now I'm curious. Do you know what the longest living bat is? Um, I'll give you a hint. You are older than it. No. <laughs> but not by much. <laughs> 84 years? <laughs> That's you, old bat. <laughs> no, the longest living bat is 41 years old. Wow. Huh. Yeah. You that know, is one geriatric bat. Older than Lou Diamond Phillips was in this movie. <laughs> but this was a success. It made $30 million, and that doesn't sound like a lot now, but it was a huge success compared to the budget. It was, like made, it was made in like 50 days, a very short time for like 3 or $5 million, but it's like that's the way to do it. That brings us to the end of this episode. Thanks for listening. If you want more of whatever this is, you can find us over on poptrashmuseum.com. And we're also on that garbage heap we all call social media. Please like and follow the Pop Trash podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And give us a short review while you're there. Until next time, may all your days be filled with velaments. <laughs> I said varmint. Keep telling yourself that, Granny Clampett. <laughs> <laughs>